Hey guys, before we start this episode, I would like to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Bono's Pit Barbecue. Bono's is a family-owned barbecue restaurant in Jacksonville, Florida, with multiple locations making fresh barbecue every day since 1949. It's the best barbecue restaurant in Jacksonville, so if you're nearby, give Bono's a try. Now let's get back to the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another podcast. Um, today I'm gonna be talking to my teacher, um, Eric Higginbotham. Um, we call him Mr. Higgs. Um, so. Um, he's my civics teacher, and we're gonna be discussing some questions I have, or, or other people I've asked, and I have questions, um, for, to talk about. So, how you doing, Mr. Hicks? Doing great, Jackson. Uh, really enjoyed teaching you this year, and having, uh, the opportunity to uh, talk about civics with you guys I feel like that's an important thing that we are discussing and uh, learning about um, our Constitution and um, our country's um, processes that we have for government and um, how important those things can be um, especially in election years and um, non-election years and uh, just Mm -hmm. so people understand what their rights are Uh, we talked about um, the Bill of Rights and the amendments to the Constitution Um, so I mean we we have so much that America um, uh, most Americans don't know rights that they don't know they have or rights that they think they have that they really don't Um, so it's all it's awesome to be able to, to talk to you guys about um, those kind of details and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we're we're rearing up on the end of the year, um, so yeah, end of the school year. And unfortunately, you won't, you won't be my teacher next year. So there's that. Well, you got you. Uh, you are very blessed here at Providence. Uh, there's a great social studies department here at this school with lots of amazing teachers. I just feel blessed to be a part of that department, and uh, we have so many um, wonderful teachers that uh, you're going to encounter as you go uh, progress up the ladder, and uh, you'll find that. Uh, that uh, most of those teachers are going to be the same caliber, probably better than myself. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get started with the questions. Okay. All right. We have a well-written and thought-of constitution and a flag that has recently been disrespected. What do you think about the fact that our constitution is not being followed and our flag is being abused? Um, 
As far as the Constitution, um, I, I feel like when you, you, you get on dangerous ground when you consider... I'm more of a, a, an originalist um, as far as the Constitution is written. I think that you have to look at the intent of the founders and you have to also look at um, how it's written. So I'm kind of somewhere between an originalist as far as the Constitution goes and a um, textualist because we talked about those two things in class mm -hmm. and I'm somewhere in between there. Um, so I feel like we cannot look at that document as a living document. We are walking on dangerous grounds when we think that we can interpret and, and, and recreate that document and to make it to what we feel like we would want it to say and um, yeah. instead of what it actually says. So as far as answering that question, um, you know, anytime that, and, and I know one of the things that has been in the thing lately, are we gonna pack the court? Are we going to put more uh, justices than the original nine that we've had for since you know the 1800s? Are we going to add more? And I know that there's a study right now that uh, is is looking at whether or not we should, um, because the 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 idea is we need more judges that are living constitutionalists because there's a lack of them on there right now mm -hmm. and in order for you to strike down legislation or pass legislation um, judicially uh, to bypass Congress because um, you might not have the votes for something then to bypass Congress you would need a Supreme Court justice panel to see what you're saying as violation of somebody's rights and be able to strike something down because they see it as a living constitutional and be able to change um, a law um, through that and through votes in a, on, a, on a Supreme Court justice than through votes in the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. So there, there's where you're going to, I guess, be, you know, kind of careful when you're when you're talking about changing the Constitution. You have to you have to respect what the guys put together originally, and you know, yeah, oh, for sure, cross the line, right? All right, good answer. I can tell that you've been looking at these questions and thinking about it a lot. Second question, what do you think you should teach young Americans about civics? Um, I definitely think that uh, the kids should know. Like, remember one of the things that we learned about Jackson was we learned the first 10 amendments to the Constitution and we had yeah. almost like sign language for them. Uh -huh. like, uh, yeah, like, you pointed up for amendment number one, you pointed up for... Um, freedom of religion, mm -hmm. and then, yep. you know, freedom of speech, you, yeah. you put your finger to your lips, and we had, we had all those different signs for learning those 10 amendments, and uh, we made it fun, 
to learn them because we yeah. made it into a competition who can who can do the signs and uh-huh. say the first 10 amendments fastest right. yeah. and so uh but yeah, yeah the the first the bill of rights is really a great place to start but it needs to go a lot deeper than that uh because mm-hmm. there's the 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 12th amendment the 13th amendment the 19th amendment the 26th amendment all of those uh are very very important to you know, us uh, so 19th Amendment gives women's suffrage, a women right to vote. Um, you know, the 14th Amendment and, uh, you know, the 13th Amendment um, change the way we view about slavery in America and, and gave more privileges to people who were, you know, entrapped in that, you know. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely... You know, the amendments is a great starting board for civics, but um, civics goes way deeper than that as well. And um, I think once you once you get those uh, the Constitution and those amendments, then you then you can really broaden out and go a lot deeper into civics, and it takes you as as far as you're willing to go for sure and we're talking about foreign policy right now Mm -hmm. and civics and you know that's a long cry from where we started here you need a foundation right yeah foundation Uh, all students if they can get that civics foundation started um i think that they will be better citizens because that's the goal right is to be a better citizen Uh and if we can get the foundation for you so that you can be a better citizen then you know you can the sky's the limit mm-hmm. to know your um civic duties like voting and you know stuff like that absolutely all right second question i mean third qu- third question is um um how do you feel about the covid relief bill and uh, and our country's debt. Um, the COVID relief bill is. Uh, let me start with the debt first of all. Like, um, well, starting with the debt, we are approaching um, thirty trillion dollars in debt. And as Jackson, I've talked to you about this before. Mm-hmm. We talked about using. Not a lot of people understand what a trillion is. Mm-hmm. So you can sit there and say, well, how many years are in a trillion seconds? And if you think about that, um, there's like 37,000 years and some change in a trillion seconds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at 37,000 years ago, uh, Jesus wasn't even on the earth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's like that's how long. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we it's a it's thirty seven thousand years. That's a trillion seconds. Now we are we are at approaching thirty trillion dollars in debt, and it doesn't look like that. That's where they're going to stop either. It yeah. looks like we're going to continue to do more and more. And that it's just a number to some people. It's not really even like a, a 
an actual debt. It's just a number to some people. And being at a, Christ, a Christian uh, and being in the, you know, at a Christian school and teaching at a Christian school, you know, what does the Bible say about debt? The Bible yeah. says in Proverbs that um, the, the, the person that is in debt is a slave to the debtor. Okay, the person who the, the lender. So, um, you know, eventually, I mean, who, I, I'm, I can't say really. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if this is going to be something that is going to come back and bite America. But uh, the debt does scare me as uh, someone who, you know, does not like debt. I don't like personal debt. I don't. I don't. I try to pay everything off, and I don't like to have, you know, somebody to have leverage over me. So, like, definitely, like, personally, I, I try to live by that policy. The only debt that I have right now is my mortgage. <laughs> and uh, I don't know too many people that are uh, mortgage-free. Uh, my dad is, but he's retired, and he's, you know... 68 years old but uh, not quite where he's at yet but I mean I, I hope to be at that where I don't have a debt for my mortgage either once I'm you know 60 65 I hope to be wiped that clean as well um, because I just don't like debt so with that being said that's how I feel about the national debt I do hope that uh, we do try to curtail how big our government is getting and try to um, make our government scope a little bit smaller because um, the, the smaller we can make the government, um, the less we'll have to spend and maybe we can curtail some of that. But we don't take in, uh, but maybe uh, two, maybe somewhere between two and three trillion dollars in revenue from our taxes. So if one bill like that bill that we were talking about right there, the, yeah. the COVID bill. Uh -huh. If that COVID relief bill is $1.7 trillion, that wipes out most of what we took in in revenue yeah. and debt. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that right there is, is going to wipe out that, you know, half your, your revenue for running the country. And uh, it's just not a good way to operate. Now, do we need the COVID relief? Absolutely. Like, uh, there's no way around we needed this COVID relief bill. Um, now, the, you have to look at... The other things that they put in. Yeah, the, the other uh, stuff that was in the that, bill that maybe that we didn't need. Like $25 million for the John F. Kennedy Museum. I'm not sure what that has to do with COVID, but, you know, it was in there. I mean, yeah. Kind of wasteful spending a little bit to me, but you know we, you know, I understand how difficult it is to for both sides of the aisle to come together in agreement. But uh, you know, it's uh, you, there definitely has to be some concessions made by both sides, and I'm, I wasn't there, so I don't know what those concessions were. But yeah, you have to wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good answer. Alright. Next question. What do you think about term limits for Congress? 
Um, you know, we have term limits for almost everything in Florida. Um, you know, if you're governor, you've got two terms. If you're on city council, you've got two terms. If you're in the Florida State House, you have two terms. If you're in the Florida State Senate, you have two terms. Um, you know, right now, um, in the federal Congress, in the House and the Senate, um, there are no term limits, and you've got people that have been there for 47 years, yeah. and like, you know, how powerful can you get in 47 years running the country? I mean, you're, I mean, you can get pretty much on any of the committees that you need to get on for, um, you know, finance committee, um, whatever, um, appropriations, lobbyists there in Washington I mean there's there's way too much um, opportunity to there's more negative in my opinion than positive that can happen from somebody being in Washington for that long um, they say well we do have term limits they're called elections that's yeah. their argument now whether or not you're, you're, and if you're an incumbent, you know, it's hard to lose. Incumbents have a much greater chance at winning um, yeah. than because they they have the support of the party and the support of um, the name recognition um, that's already out there than the new guy who's running against them. Yeah. Now it does happen where incumbents lose. I mean, but it's always harder for the new guy to pull out the victory. So, um, I think term limits are a good idea. Um, I, you know, seeing fresh faces and new ideas in Washington uh, would be a welcome thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think the, what, what you'd have to watch out for is most of the politicians that uh, their term is up, they'll become a lobbyist. <laughs> so, I think, I think that's what you have to watch for is all of those politicians whose term limits are up are going to end up becoming lobbyists for somebody. <laughs> Alright. Next question is what do you think about the border situation when we have in place a processing a process for vetting people into this country to live? Um... I think the border situation is something that uh, it, it, you know, as a dad, you hear about kids that are coming to the border um, and they're coming there by themselves and like is you hear about the trafficking, you hear about the drugs, you hear about the COVID um, people over there um, coming to America with COVID from those border countries and it's just a really sad situation um like i hate it that uh that we are in this predicament um i i i don't really have an answer for how we can fix this issue um which i don't really know if anybody does because if they did we probably be closer to fixing it than we are um 
having a wall um, helps, um, but I don't think it's the only answer. I think you need reform with uh, the immigration policies. Um, you know, you'd like to think that uh, that maybe one day we could work something out, but you know, it's it's been as long as I've been alive. There's been you know problems with the border, uh, just the southern border, and uh, with uh, you know immigration. Um, I understand why people want to come here, and we want them to come here, uh, but we 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 kind of want them to do it the right yeah. way. Do it legally. Right? Do it the legal way because uh, you know we want you to be able to vote. If you're going to come here, if you're illegal, you can't vote. If you're illegal, you're not paying taxes. You're not helping out the government be able to function mm-hmm. by not paying taxes. And yeah. so it hurts everybody when you come here illegally. It hurts you because you're a non-citizen you're living here illegally it's a crime so basically you're a criminal mm-hmm. and then it hurts our government because you're not paying taxes it hurts your government because you're not paying taxes there your old government mm-hmm. that you left and you know you can't vote and that hurts um you and me, because if you're living here, you you ought to have a vote, a say, and I think that hurts everybody when we when people decide not to vote or they can't vote because they're not a citizen. It hurts everybody. Yeah. All right. Good answer. Next question. Um, last question. Do you think it's right for illegals to get stimulus checks and social security checks when they have not worked in this country? Um, you know, I don't think that anybody that doesn't pay into the system should benefit from the system. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like one day I'm going to be on social security as long as it mm-hmm. lasts. And I've been paying into that social security system for as long as I've been working. So for me to benefit from that system makes sense uh, because I paid into it. Um, Medicaid, or not Medicare, let's say Medicare. um, I'm going to use that system one day because I'm going to need it. Um, And I've been paying into it since I've been working. So for me to benefit from that makes sense. Now, for I'm, and I'm not sure what the number is on how many people are getting stimulus checks and social security checks uh, and things like that that are here illegally. But, uh, you know, it, for me, it would all depend on have those people in some way been contributing to the system. And if the answer is no, then I would say no, because that takes away from the people who have been contributing 
contributing in it. Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then I say let them benefit from it. But uh, it's definitely, you know, one of those things where, you know, I, I feel bad for countries that don't have those, mm -hmm. you know, don't have Social Security, don't have yeah. um, Medi Medicare and stuff like that. But at the same time, yeah, I don't feel like it's our responsibility to provide those packages and benefits for people from those other countries unless they come over here and then contribute to the system. Yeah. Citizen. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean that that would make sense because I I'm, I'm not sure uh how you would contribute without being that, you know, unless you had, you know, obviously um, you can get a green card and be able to work here in America, um, and that card has a time frame on it. And when that time frames up, you either have to go home or reapply. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely would um, say that uh, you know I would love to help people in those predicaments, but uh, if you know if you can't contribute then um, I, I can't see how those programs should be uh, offered as benefits to you. Mm -hmm. It's like insurance. Like, you know, if I don't pay my insurance, um, my health insurance, then when I go to the doctor, I'm not going to be able to get those benefits. So I, I need to be paying into my health insurance every month so that when I go to the doctor and he says I'm okay and you can go home, um, I pay my $20 copay and not yeah. the actual bill of what it really costs because what it really costs is probably 450, 500 bucks, but I'm paying 20 bucks to yeah. the doctor instead because every month I'm paying my insurance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, I guess that wraps it up. I don't have any more questions but um actually what made you decide to teach civics uh i love answering this question um i have always had uh, great teachers and great teachers for social studies um, my coach peretti uh, was uh, somebody who really inspired me uh, coach Sapp even though I didn't agree with him a lot of the times uh, he inspired me uh, um, even my middle school civics teacher mr. Davis uh, did a very good job of making civics a fun thing that was uh, lots of discussions and you know talking and learning and and those kind of things like impacted me and made me want to do the same thing now when I became a teacher I got a degree in uh, that allowed me to teach multiple subjects and one of those subjects was math so for the longest time I've had to be a math teacher or I've, in, other, in other ways of looking at it I was a civics teacher trapped in a math teacher's <laughs> job so I taught math for the longest time because most schools it was very difficult to find a, a job teaching social studies much less a job teaching civics 
and uh, when I left my last school, um, I kind of made a commitment to myself that I wasn't, I was just going to trust God and go after only a social studies job. And I've been in public school for 15 years, and um, or 14 years, this is my 15th year. And so basically, every time I went to a job application or a job interview um, in a public school situation, they only were looking at me for math positions. But uh, when I came here for my interview, Miss McGlowhorn was actually trying to fill a civics position. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited that, like, I almost thought she wasn't going to hire me because I kept calling her and bugging her and saying, have you filled that job yet? Are you still? And she was saying, we're still crunching the numbers, but as soon as we know, you'll know. And as soon as I got the call from her that said, if you're still interested in that civics job, I was basically the happiest guy on the planet because not only did I know that I was going to get to teach my favorite subject, but I knew I was going to get to do it at a Christian school. And I knew that the, the, that that I would be able to uh, talk about um, God, talk about uh, pray with my kids at school, and be able to um, just have a classroom where I knew that you guys cared about what we were learning too. Because a lot of the times when I would teach, a lot of the students didn't care about what we were learning. They were there because they had to be there and they didn't really want to be there um and here at this school I feel like um that doesn't really play a big part most of the kids want to be here most of the kids want to learn and most of the kids care about what they're learning and so do their parents so that makes a big difference and uh like now um I I I, I'm pretty much happy as a clam and uh, I'm not gonna be looking to go anywhere. Um, I'm happy where I'm at. I love the school. I love what they stand for, and I love teaching civics and helping them in any way I can. So that would be my answer to that question. All right, all right. That wraps it up for this episode of Golly Drama Talks. If you enjoyed the episode, um, please um. Listen some more. Listen to the others if you want. Um, Mr. Higgs, you're a you're a listener of the podcast, right? Yes, yes, I am. I enjoy uh-huh. it. Yeah. Check it out. Mhm. All right. Thank you, Mr. Higgs, and I'll see you in the next Golly Drama Talks.